MSW Media. Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting The Daily Beans. Give all the dads in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years. Go to storyworth.com slash dailybeans to get $10 off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, May 26, 2023. Today, we're starting to get more details about the document obstruction at Mar-a-Lago. A Texas House committee has voted to impeach Attorney General Ken Paxton. The Florida mom who wants to ban Amanda Gorman's inaugural poem is a neo-Nazi. And speaking of the Nazis, the treasurer at CPAC is accusing Matt Schlapp of financial mismanagement. And Oath Keepers Stuart Rhodes and Kelly Meggs have received their sentences from Judge Amit Mehta. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Well, my voice was back and now it's sort of gone again. I don't understand. Oh, boy. You just need to get to healthy. That's all. Yeah, that's very true. I think I'll be, I'm at like 94% right now. So very soon we'll be at healthy. But yeah, I wanted to tell you about this story that I read. We're not going to cover it in the hot notes, but I wanted to cover it up front. The Florida mom who sought to ban Amanda Gorman, Amanda Gorman, the beautiful, incredible oh, poet laureate that that read her poem at the inaugural. Yes. Says she's this woman, there's one Florida mom who tried to get her poem banned, says she's sorry for promoting the protocols of the elders of Zion. Okay. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Months before she persuaded a local school to restrict access to Amanda Gorman's poem, she was posting anti-Semitic memes on Facebook. Sounds like a lovely human being. Mm-hmm. Now her name is Daily Salinas. She's apologizing for one of those things, but unrepentant about the others. I want to apologize to the Jewish community, she told the Jewish Telegraphic Agency on Wednesday. She was saying sorry for a Facebook post she shared in March, offering a summary of the protocols of the elders of Zion, a notorious anti-Semitic forgery written more than a century ago in Russia. I'm not what that post says, she said. I love the Jewish community. The post came to light this week after the Miami Herald identified her as the mother who petitioned her child's school to ban students' access to the Gorman poem. Salinas also petitioned the school to restrict children's books about the Black poet Langston Hughes and about Black and Cuban history. So, yeah, she's a, she's a real treat, this lady. She is a real piece of work. The Florida woman, you know what? They're not just the men down there. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. And uh, everybody, I want to thank you for following me on TikTok and Instagram. It's, it's been a huge help. And if you want to see my videos, I'm, I'm putting them up there now. So you can go check them out. Today at Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern, we'll have a happy hour for patrons. Jump on and ask me anything political. And uh, tonight, I'm so excited. I'm going to drag trivia tonight at Urban Mode. Nice. Oh, my God. You're going to have so much fun. My friend, Miriam Thistletwat, Miriam T, is hosting. And uh, it is a Steel Magnolias trivia night. So I'm very, you know, I love you more than my luggage. I know. I'm very, excited. <laughs> I'm very, very excited. Have so much fun. Yes, it will be. It will be great. All right. We do have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Devlin Barrett, Spencer, Sue, Dossie, all the, you know, the post, the Washington Post people over there. Two of Donald Trump's employees, two of them moved boxes of papers the day before the FBI agents and a prosecutor 
visited the former president's Florida home to retrieve classified documents in response to a subpoena. Timing that investigators have come to view as suspicious. That's a little (laughs) sus. Moving shit around the day before we came down to get stuff. That's a little... Just practicing. Little sus. Yeah, just practicing. Exactly. That's an indication of possible obstruction, they say. I say it's definitely an indication of blatant obstruction. Trump and his aides also allegedly carried out a dress rehearsal for moving sensitive papers even before his office retrieved the May 2022 subpoena. That's according to the people familiar with the matter, who spoke anonymously to describe sensitive ongoing investigations. Prosecutors, in addition, have gathered evidence indicating that Trump at times kept classified documents in his office. We knew that. We've known that for a long time. He had some in a drawer that was intermingled with papers that were dated after he left the White House. So he he knew he had them. Taken together, the new details of the documents investigation suggested a greater breadth and specificity to the instances of possible obstruction found by the FBI and the DOJ you know, more than had been previously reported. It also broadens the timeline of possible obstruction episodes, by the way, a period stretching from events at Mar-a-Lago before the subpoena to a period after the search warrant was executed on August 8th. Grand jury activity in the case has slowed in recent weeks. Trump's attorneys have taken steps, including outlining potential defenses to Congress and seeking a meeting with the attorney general and planning on how to fundraise off of indictments that suggest they believe a charging decision is coming soon. The grand jury working on the investigation hasn't met since May 5th. That's brand new. We didn't know that. Oh, interesting. After months of frenetic activity at the federal courthouse, that is the panel's longest hiatus since December. It's interesting. Of particular importance to investigators in the documents case is evidence showing that the boxes of documents were moved to a storage area on June 2nd, just before the Justice Department lawyer, Jay Bratt, arrived at Mar-a-Lago with his agents. And he had to come because he's like one of the only guys in the universe with clearance high enough to breathe on these documents. The June 3rd visit the next day by law enforcement officials was to collect material in response to a May 2022 grand jury subpoena. Now, John Irving, a lawyer representing one of the two employees who moved the boxes, now we've got two. We just had Walt Nauta before. Now a good witness, but now we've got another guy. And this, his lawyer said the worker didn't know what was in the boxes and was just trying to help Walt move them, who was using a dolly and a hand truck to move a number of boxes, Dana, the day before the DOJ visited. Again, just practicing. Yep, just practicing. Quote, he was seen on Mar-a-Lago security video helping Walt Nada move boxes into a storage area on June 2nd. My client saw Mr. Nada moving boxes and volunteered to help him. The next day, he added, the employee helped Nada pack an SUV when Trump left for Bedminster for the summer. Oh, really? Where he was meeting with the Saudis. He's also very good at leaving a scene of a crime right before the crime <laughs> is committed. Even though he maybe he told them to commit the crime. But then he creates a new scene of a new crimes wherever he goes. Indeed. So there's a second guy on the videotape and he's fully cooperating with the Department of Justice. Lovely. He's a longtime Mar-a-Lago employee and all because he was nice and wanted to help Walt move some boxes. If not for like random acts of kindness, the the moral arc of the universe might not be bending toward justice so swiftly. (laughs) Now, the lawyer said his client didn't have any reason to think helping move the boxes was significant. 
So he's happy to help. They've gathered, prosecutors have gathered evidence that even before Trump's office received the subpoena, he had what some officials have dubbed a dress rehearsal for moving government documents he didn't want to relinquish. The people familiar with the situation said Jack Smith's team has concluded the bulk of its investigative work in the documents case and believes it has uncovered a handful of distinct episodes of obstructionist conduct. It carries a 20-year max sentence. Wow. Title 18, U.S. Code 1519, Dana. One of those suspected instances of obstruction occurred after the FBI search on August 8th. They didn't provide any further details about that. Now, Devlin Barrett thinks it has to do with what The Guardian reported in December, that Trump's lawyers found a box of White House schedules, remember, and she uploaded them, a staffer uploaded them to a computer. and I do remember. Moved a box from a government leased office in nearby West Palm Beach. I don't know if that's it. What I think it is, I'm going to discuss with Andy McCabe on this weekend's episode. We're going to love a good teaser. Of Jack. So how's that for a cliffhanger for you? I've got my own beans. I'll spill the beans. I love it. I love it. And the next story up here, this is uh, from Arnsdorf at the Post. Well, Matt Schlapp, you know, as we know, the prominent Trump ally who leads the influential conservative political action conference, CPAC. Well, he was accused this week of mismanaging money and staff in a scathing resignation letter from the parent organization's treasurer. This is from Bob Boprez. He's the treasurer of American Conservative Union and a board member for the eight years of that. He said he had, quote, lost confidence in the organization's financial statements and could not solicit donations in good faith. He blamed Schlapp for excessive staff departures, maybe because he, you know, allegedly was touching people, and suggested that violations of the organization's bylaws could expose the storied institution to lawsuits or even criminal prosecution. And this is a quote. The cancer has been metastasizing within the organization for years. It must be diagnosed, treated, and cured. Good luck with that, or it will destroy the organization and its foundation, Bopress said in the letter, which was obtained by the Washington Post. Went on to say, I've come to think that the expectations for my role as a director and officer is much the same as that of a mushroom, (laughs) to be kept in the dark and fed a lot of manure. (laughs) I no longer am willing to comply. I mean, it's a pretty good quote. The 13-page letter, delivered Tuesday ahead of a scheduled June 1st board meeting, escalates the internal and public pressure on Schlapp, who, as ACU chairman since 2014, has become a fixture in conservative media. But his leadership is facing multiple challenges amid corporate backlash over CPAC's embrace of the far right in the United States and abroad, as well as reduced turnout at its flagship Washington area conference in March Schlapp called the event a home run. Of course he did, because he has to keep the rhetoric. (laughs) Schlapp is his wife, who happens to be named Mercedes. She's a senior fellow and former senior official in the Trump White House. They're also fighting a defamation and battery lawsuit from a former Republican campaign aide, that's what I was talking about, who alleged that Schlapp groped him last fall during a visit to Atlanta area. Well, Schlapp, who's 55, has denied the aide's account and attacked his credibility. In this letter, Bopress said he accepted Schlapp's denial of any inappropriate conduct involving the aid, but he also argued that the board has a duty to protect the organization for potentially significant damages and has never been fully briefed on the lawsuit. He said the board agreed to advance $50,000 for Schlapp's attorney, that's Ben Chu, who previously represented actor Johnny Depp, and we all know that case, but Bopress said that he was concerned that the fees had spiraled to more than $270,000. 
That amount has been raised from private donors. It is amazing how all of these criminals have gotten their quote unquote fans to pay their legal fees. Yeah, right. I was yeah. just thinking like, I don't, I, where do I get some private donors to pay my bills? Seriously. That would be rad. You'd have them if you need them. Now, <laughs> another former CPAC employee has notified the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission of plans to sue over claims that she was fired in retaliation for complaining about a coworker's sexist and racist comments. Well, Bopress said the board has not been formally briefed on that case either. We should we should start a firm, like an HR firm for specifically Republican organizations where we like really have to have extra employees for all the sexual harassment and racism. I mean, good Lord, the people HR firms that have to spin this stuff. I want to say I feel bad for them, but you know exactly who you're working for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beauprez's letter also detailed several instances in which he alleged that the organization failed to follow its bylaws. Specifically, he said the board's executive committee approved Schlapp's salary, but neither the committee nor the board ever saw a formal contract. And that's required by the bylaws. Schlapp, whose chairman position is traditionally unpaid, started receiving annual compensation of $600,000 in mid-2022 as his lobbying income declined. And that's according to public records and people that are familiar with the organization's finances. So he went from an unpaid position to $600,000 a year. Sure. Why not? As one does. Yes. Well, I was talking a little bit earlier in the show about the arc of the moral universe and bending toward justice, et cetera, et cetera. Today, Stuart Rhodes, leader of the far-right Oath Keepers Militia, was sentenced to 18 years in prison for his conviction on seditious conspiracy charges and for the role he played in helping mobilize the pro-Trump attack on the Capitol. Now, the sentence was handed down in federal district court in D.C., and it's it's the most severe penalty so far, Dana, in the more than 1,000 criminal cases stemming from the Capitol attack, and the first to be increased for fitting the legal definition of terrorism. Do you remember I was waiting for that? Absolutely. I was waiting for that, and, the, and it happened today. It was also the first to have been given to any of the 10 members of the Oath Keepers and another far-right group, the Proud Boys, who were convicted of sedition. So this is the first seditious conspiracy sentence. For Mr. Rhodes, who's 58, this is the end of a tumultuous and unusual career, they said. That's a nice way to put it. That included army service, a stint on Capitol Hill, a law degree from Yale. He graduated when Lisa Rubin did, our friend, uh, Law of Ruby on Twitter. His role as the Oath Keeper's founder and leader thrust him into the spotlight and will now send him to prison for what is likely to be the rest of his life. Good. Yeah. At a dramatic, nearly hour-long hearing, Judge Emmett Mehta shided Mr. Rhodes for seeking for years through his leadership of Oath Keepers to have a democracy devolve into violence. You, sir, he said, present an ongoing threat and a peril to this country, to the republic, and the very fabric of our democracy. Very heavy words. Powerful. As the hearing opened, prosecutors urged Judge Mehta to sentence Mr. Rhodes to 25 years. They wanted 25 years, arguing that accountability is needed for the violence at the Capitol and that American democracy is on the line. Catherine Ricosi, one of the lead prosecutors in the case, told Judge Mehta that Rhodes had been calling for attacks against the government for more than a decade and that his role on January 6th was part of a longstanding pattern. Quote, it is conduct that threatened and continues to threaten the rule of law in the United States. That's the DOJ's official position on this. It continues to threaten the rule of law in the United States. Rokosi also noted that Rhodes had shown no remorse for undermining the transition of power. Just four days ago, he gave an interview from jail repeating the lie that the election had been marred by fraud and asserting that the government was coming after those on the political right. 
It's not going to stop until it's stopped. That's what Mr. Rhodes said during the interview, adding that the country needed a regime change. And as if to prove the government's point, Mr. Rhodes, in an orange prison smock and his trademark eye patch, gave a defiant address to the court, blaming the news media for demonizing the Oath Keepers for leading the attack on the Capitol. He also compared himself to the Soviet-era dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn and to the beleaguered main character of the Kafka novel, The Trial. I am a political prisoner, he said. Oh, the delusions of grandeur. My goodness. I know, right? And one of Mr. Rhodes' deputies, Kelly Meggs, who once led the group's Florida chapter, was sentenced to 12 years in prison in a separate proceeding later today. In court, prosecutors persuaded Judge Mehta to increase Rhodes' sentence by arguing that he repeated calls for violence against the government in his plan to stage an arsenal of weapons across the Potomac in case of an emergency on January 6th should be punished as an act of terrorism. And Rakosi said this wasn't blowing up a building, but organizing an armed force and advocating a bloody civil war comes pretty close. Now, the government asked to apply the terrorism enhancement in four previous cases, but all of the judges, including Meta, had denied those requests each time, but not this time. Amazing. I hope every single one of them gets a long time in jail, including the person who orchestrated this. All right. This last story is a little shocking, but it, it filed in good news for me. <laughs> this is from the Texas Tribune. It, this is unprecedented, AG. A Texas House committee voted Thursday to recommend that Attorney General Ken Paxton be impeached and removed from office, citing a years-long pattern of alleged misconduct and lawbreaking that investigators detailed one day earlier. Now, during a specially called meeting Thursday afternoon, the House General Investigating Committee, they voted unanimously to refer articles of impeachment to the full chamber. The House will next decide whether to approve the articles against Paxton. And this could lead to Attorney General's removal from office pending the outcome of a trial to be conducted by the Senate. Now, if a majority of the 149-member House approves the articles before the regular legislative session ends Monday, senators would need to convene a special session to hear the case. No legislature has impeached an attorney general. Okay, so let's just start with that. It's an, it's an extraordinary step that lawmakers have historically reserved for public officials who face serious allegations that they have abused their powers. Well, it seems pretty fitting for this, to be honest. The decision came minutes after a representative from Paxton's office demanded Thursday to testify in front of the House committee probing Paxton's alleged criminal acts and decreed the committee's actions as illegal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Chris Hilton, chief of general litigation for the attorney general's office, interrupted the five member panel's brief meeting to demand to testify on behalf of Paxton's office. Well, state rep Andrew Murr, he's a Republican in Junction, Texas. I didn't want to get people confused. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Injunction shook his head and moved forward with the meeting. He was like, whatever, which went into executive session almost immediately after gaveling in. Okay. And this is a quote, the people deserve to hear from this office in the context of this investigation, Hilton said. The voters want Ken Paxton and this committee by investigating him, by not allowing us to be heard here today, by never reaching out to us at any point during this investigative process, is trying to thwart the will of the voters, and we deserve to be heard here today. Well, Hilton told reporters the committee's actions were illegal under a section of Texas law that says, and I quote, state officer may not be removed from office for an act the officer may have committed before the officer's election to office. Well, Hilton argued that the statute meant any impeachment can only be about conduct since the most recent elections. 
Oh, so not previously when he was... Right. It's an interesting loophole he's trying to use. That's a dumb... That's He's just trying to wiggle out of this. Of course he is. Before adjourning, AG, the committee also voted to issue uh, preservation letters directing the Department of Public Safety and the Texas Facilities Commission to protect pertinent information. So they're a little worried that some things are going to be destroyed. The committee did not discuss what information that it wanted to preserve, though. Republicans don't destroy documents, Dana. They don't flush them down toilets or burn them or them possibly eat them. We don't know. Eat them. Yeah, come on. I know. I, it's, a, it's, a leap, it's a leap too far. It's a bridge All too right. far. Well, you know, by the way, what's happening here? Remember Phelan, the guy who was shithoused on the floor? Oh, of course. Of, <laughs> of the Texas Congress. And then... So then Ken, he's, Ken's mad at him because he's the one in de- conducting this investigation and he doesn't want Ken to pay his $3.3 million settlement using taxpayer money. So Ken's mad at him. So he comes after him and tries to get him to resign for being drunk on the House floor. And now there's this impeachment. But it's just the stars at night, y'all. There's a lot of drama going on in Texas. I tell you what. Oh, my God. There is some gunslinging in Texas. Who's going to draw first? Who's going to go down? <laughs> It's a big dick dance, right? And it's some big... and well, the great thing when Republicans fight, when two like Republicans fight, is that a Republican loses. Uh, yeah, so, I don't. I, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. A hundred percent. All right, everybody, we're gonna read some good news to you. If you have good news, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. As you know, I love a good story. I love storytellers, especially when it comes to my uncle. Okay. Uncle Elmer. I, I have, you know, he's my dad for Father's Day purposes. And he just is, has a heck of a way with stories. He told me a story I never heard before. It got me thinking about how many other stories I haven't heard from him. So luckily we have StoryWorth. StoryWorth is offering $10 off your first purchase at storyworth.com slash daily beans. Now, StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories, and it preserves them for years to come in a beautiful book. Every week, StoryWorth will email your loved one a thought-provoking prompt or a question that you can choose from a pool of possible options or you can write yourself. They're all unique, uh, like what matters to you most in life or what's your favorite vacation or who are your favorite musicians, stuff like that. And I've really enjoyed reading my Uncle Elmer's response. Uh, responses to these questions. I've discovered uh, stories and memories that I thought I knew about, but now, you know, I know I really get the whole story. So StoryWorth helped me learn that uh, Uncle Elmer used to play in a band during his college days. I didn't even know that he could play the guitar. So that's cool. After one year with StoryWorth, they compile all those questions and stories into a beautiful keepsake book with photos the whole family can share for generations. With StoryWorth, the stories are shaped. Our family's history won't fade away, but instead become a timeless gift that we can enjoy and share for years to come. Give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you could save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash dailybeans. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash dailybeans to save $10 on your first purchase. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Or 
near. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to play what the mutt with us or what the heck wine, where I guess what breed your horses, because I'm really good at that for some reason. <laughs> um, totally. I have no idea, Dana. I am impressed. I, I Well, trust me. I, I mean, a horse is a horse, of course, of course. I just don't know what the horse is called. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that shout out to a loved one, a whoopee story, maybe. Shit kids say. Shit you say. Shit your parents say. It's a lot of shit. It's a lot of shit being said. It is. It's a lot of shit to say. You can send it all to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. All right. Let's see what we've got here in the good news today. I've got something from Can Am Man. Question about yesterday's show. How is MTG being laughed at in Congress not part of your good news? <laughs> that is fair. Well, that clip was a beautiful thing. I wasn't here, but I'm yeah. sure there was a reason. Yeah, I just wanted to play it out into the commercial, you know, and then and then come back with the good news. So it kind of connected the good news from from the first segment. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'll take the next one too. Bud and Deb, he and she. Good morning, Beans. We're longtime listeners. Back to the kitchen days when you had to use your initials. We appreciate your courage and find the format of the Daily Beans not only informative but required listening in today's political division. Twenty years ago. I could go to lunch with work colleagues and discuss politics in an open and honest manner. Uh, Though we may have disagreed, it never resulted in insults. Your research informs us uh, what we believe is important to know in order to make informed decisions. I remember watching William F. Buckley on PBS to understand the conservative perspective. I was left with a position of financial responsibility with social programs to meet human needs. Keep up the good work. Our animal tax is our dog sugar and the cat OC, which stands for orange cat who adopted us, <laughs> sharing some personal time. Sugar is sharing her bed with OC. And the look on her face says it all. Oh, yeah. Look at that oh, side. not eye. happy about that. She's like, why does she have to be snuggled right into my side? It just looks like the dog's like, mm, you know, <laughs> so cute. Oh, my God. All right. This next thing says, IO45 patron. Remember, if it doesn't say clownfart.fuck, it's not redacted. <laughs> Pronouns he and him. Ferris Frijoles, I wanted to get the word out on the good news about the Little Rock Smashathon event this weekend. Little Rock Smashathon, raising money to protect access, oh, to abortions in Arkansas by taking donations in exchange for the opportunity to break stuff. Hell yes. Sounds like a great time to me. Along with the event flyer, here's a picture of our rescue dogs, Delta, mostly dark brown, and Runa, mostly white, and our farm kitten turned layabout house cat, Fuzz. Or if you're not a fan of brevity, El Captain Julie Boops Perito. Oh, El Capitan Julie Boops Perito. I love it. Love it. And look at this flyer, the Smashathon fundraiser. That's awesome. That is amazing. I want to go hit some things, that's for sure. Free to attend, $25 to smash this Saturday, okay. 2 to 6 p.m. Awesome. Oh, my oh, goodness. These the pictures are adorable. Floof. Look at the floof, fuzzy baby. Love it. Oh, very cute. Thank you. Thank you for sending that in. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns he and him. I want to give a thank you to my parents. I've struggled for years with complex PTSD without telling anyone in my family. Last month, I had a horrible time with panic attacks. And at one point, the symptoms were similar to a heart attack. So at my age, I had to go make sure I was going to be okay. Like many with CPTSD, I struggled to ask for help. After a few hours of being alone in the ER, I decided to text my parents where I was. Again, have never told them that I have CPTSD. The medical staff discussed my health with my consent 
as we were getting results back. One parent really wanted to know what caused me to have the diagnosis, but thankfully the other brought the situation back and said he's not ready for that conversation. I don't think I'll ever be ready to talk about all that's happened to me. Maybe it is shame or guilt. Mostly, I don't want them to hear what I survived. More than anything, I just want them to know I appreciate them coming and being there. My struggles make it hard to reach out and just have somebody there. I took a risk not to isolate, but to ask for support, and it's made a huge difference in bouncing back from this situation. While I do not think I will ever be able to tell them everything, I'm glad they know I'm surviving the best I can, and I'm trying to let people help when it gets to be too much. I'm also touched that they're educating themselves about my diagnosis without needing to know the cause. I love you, I appreciate you, and I thank you for letting me heal the best way I'm able to in this moment. Pet tax for my long note is attached. My two boys, who are way more like Pinky in the brain than I could ever imagine. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I'm going to guess the goofy one is the Pinky one, and that's the the one on the right, the grayer tabby, right? And the brown tabby. I would go with that. Yeah, for sure. The very serious. This is a really beautiful submission. It really is. And man, it is so hard uh, to ask for help, but that's lovely that um, the parent, we, we, the one parent was like, let's, that's not, the conversation is not happening right now. You know, that's really, really, um, really great. I love it when you reach out for help and you aren't let down. I agree. I agree. Neji, thank so. you. If it's okay with you, I'll take the next two and you can close this out with a really long one. Sounds good. All right. This is from Judy, that bitch. I love it. Pronouns she and her. I think I heard Tom Hartman announce that AG from Mueller, she wrote, was sanctioned by Putin over the weekend. I haven't heard you mention it. So I wonder if it was a dream. Love you all to death. Rock on, bitches. I don't know, Judy. I didn't think I made the list. I didn't think I was on in the cut. I'll have to go check that out now, though. All right. You have to go check it out. All right. This is from Colin. Pronounce he and him. Hi, Daily Beans. Colin again. The speech pathologist who sent in the comment. Uh-oh, am I in trouble again? Uh, Colin again. The speech pathologist who sent in the comment about Rudy earlier this week. Your apology blew me away. And I think exemplify that it is in our humility, not perfection, that makes us a kind person. Thank you. I heard you talk about Dade Phelan on Wednesday's episode. He is my representative from my hometown. The road I grew up on was actually off a Phelan Boulevard. I just wanted to point out that his last name is Oak. Thank God. Okay, that his last name is pronounced Phelan, not Phelan. Thank you very much, Colin Phelan. Although you both pronounced it better than he could have during that clip was recorded. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Um, Colin, thank you. Here's another picture of Epi, terrified in the bath. I love how much she trusted me in this moment, even when she hated what was going on. Oh, little baby. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll do the squirt bottle at the cat and the cat will run to me for protection. Oh my it's, God. I don't know what to say. Dave feeling. He was feeling good that day yeah, on the house was. floor. <laughs> woo, woo. All right, next up and finally from Anonymous, pronouns he and him. Great show. Brash with a side of humility. Speaking of humility, I must correct your pronunciation. My seventh grade English teacher emphasized the importance of proper pronunciation. On your Thursday, May 25th, 2023 show, you repeatedly pronounced Cheatham as Cheatham with a TH pronunciated like thing. And actually it's Cheatham like Cheatham. Like, okay, do we Cheatham and how is how you pronounce that. Okay, Cheatham. I lived in Cheatham County for several years. I can assure you that the people are lovely. 
though the county is pronounced like Cheatham, as in when donors send money to Trump, he is guaranteed to Cheatham. <laughs> I don't have any pet pics, but would like to give a shout out to YCAP of Middle Tennessee. I volunteered there for several years. YCAP is the YMCA Community Action Project, a mission of the YMCA of Middle Tennessee. YCAP has a number of programs for at-risk and underserved young people, including Positive Beginnings, YQuest, Y Literacy, Black Achievers, and the Latino Achievers. I tutored at-risk youths, which was one component of the after-school program of mentoring, tutoring, and guidance that YCAP offered at the time. The YCAP intervened early in the lives of youths who were at-risk and becoming involved in crime. I saw firsthand how much young people can write their paths with love and engagement, which is more efficient and effective in saving lives and time and resources than later interventions like the adult criminal justice system. Accountability and mercy changes lives for the better. For me personally, it saved my life. Volunteering with YCAP was a blazing light in an otherwise dark period of my life, and I still count it as one of my greatest achievements, pats back, beyond my family and friendships. Since then, YCAP has broadened its programs and grown in size. We will link to YCAP in the show notes. It's ymcamidtn.org. So keep rocking it, Allison and Dana, and my fellow listeners. Keep rocking in all the big and small ways you improve the lives of others and yourself. Peace out. Awesome submission. Really awesome submission and a great way to close the episode. Great way to close the week as well. That's true. We are done. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a heck of a week for the news. I'll have the bonus episode out for you tomorrow, provided my voice holds up. We'll have Jack out on Sunday. The bonus cleanup on L45. I'm about to step in and record that with Pete Struck right now. If you're a $2 contributor over at the the cleanup on L45 Patreon. So, and happy hour tonight for the Beans patrons at uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern. All sorts of things going on. Uh, any uh, shout outs you want to do there, Dana? Um, no, just, you know, it just, um, just announced my show again in Rochester, New York. We just announced it. It's going to be on uh, July 28th. It's a Friday night. You can get tickets on my website at danagoldberg.com. You can also see some other dates there and some videos and read some articles and stuff. So if you haven't been to my new website, I, I just redid it. Um, and would love if you're in Rochester, New York during that time to come to the show, small room, hundred people, let's sell this thing out. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Yes. It's going to be amazing. Uh, so I, I can't, your shows are so good, Dana. You're thank just so you. funny. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll post some new clips. I got, I, I taped the show in Albuquerque, so I'll have some new clips up on my Instagram in the coming weeks. So go follow me on Instagram, DG Comedy. And of course, follow AG on Instagram and her TikTok as she's going to be putting out those videos. Yep. At Muller, she wrote everywhere on the socials. Thanks so much, Dana. I love you. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back in your ears Monday. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. 
I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.